Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. Our third reading for today comes from us, to us from the Gospel of Luke. This will be the year that we look a lot at Luke and uh, go through that. Uh, this reading is scheduled for today. It's the baptism of Jesus. Uh, while our conversation is going to be about San Juan and in Puerto Rico, I would still invite you to listen for the idea of, in, in this of how it is that Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, how it is that he is gentle, how it is that he doesn't try to go to the front of the line and say, I'm, I'm the living embodiment of God. I, I have all the answers. doesn't do that. There's this picture of humility that's in this. Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 22. I'm on page 60 of the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether John might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler who had been rebuked by John because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have routinely over the last multiple years when the youth have gone on a mission trip, allowed them to come back and talk to us about how their hearts were warmed and how their minds were open and how their understanding of the world was changed by that experience. I don't know when the last time we had adults leave and go to some place uh, special, way far away, distant from us, but we have a report today for us from uh, Marilyn White and from Claudine Haight. I ask you to be gentle in your listening. Listen to where the Holy Spirit may be carrying you. How are you being baptized by that Holy Spirit to be able to hear God's sacred voice gently speaking to you? And maybe God might even be asking you the question, why are you here? Where are you going? God bless. Good morning. 
I'm Marilyn, and I would like to make one little editorial correction. When Dennis told me this morning how much fun he'd had with statistics yesterday, I actually asked him if he needed psychiatric help. <laughs> Just as Jesus waited patiently for his turn to be baptized, so our team waited patiently for our work assignment. We learned that we needed to be gentle in spirit with the process, our fellow team members, as we tackled the mission before us. And I've heard a couple of, of themes this morning that ran through our mission work. One was the theme of listening for God's voice. To a person when we asked, you know, why do you want to go on this trip? All of them said, we just feel called to help the people of Puerto Rico. They need our help and we want to help. The other one was God provides. And lastly, is a little thing from 1 Peter uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, which says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So Hurricane Maria arrived as a Category 4 in Puerto Rico. And just in case you need a reminder of where Puerto Rico is... And that hurricane entered on the southeast side of the island and cut straight across the island and exited the northwest. It was considered the worst natural disaster to ever befall Puerto Rico. Within a week, the United Methodist Committee on Relief was reaching out to the Methodist Church of Puerto Rico to determine how they could help. Listening. By mid-October, a portion of the $15 million that donors had uh, given in response to U.S. disasters was made available to that Methodist church in Puerto Rico. Then six months after the rescue and recovery, Puerto Rico was ready to move into the reconstruction stage. And here it was where we ordinary people could use the gifts that we had been given. Oh, um, could, could someone dim the lights, please? I think it'll be easier to hear the slides. Or just turn the sanctuary lights off. Does that make it a little easier, I, I think? So shortly before we arrived in November, FEMA had selected Rajase, which is the charitable charitable arm of the United Methodist of the Methodist Church of Puerto Rico it's not United Methodist but Methodist Church as one of five organizations to be in charge of continuing the recovery process with five million from FEMA and 20 million from the United Methodist Corp Committee on Relief Rehasi uh, hired more foremen translators civil engineers caseworkers and had stockpiled tools and supplies they had also found additional churches to host mission teams. And Rehase now is serving 25 communities on the main island and the island of Vieques. And before we left, Rehase sent out this message kind of like worldwide, please do not send any more mission teams until after March. We are full up. We are at capacity. And isn't that wonderful that so many had responded to that call for help? And with 20,000 
houses still needing roofs. Rehase is in it for the long haul. This is the picture of our team. So the call went out conference-wide about this mission trip. God provided 12 of us from eight churches and representing the five states within the conference came together as a team. Some of us, like me, are, are really good at painting walls. Uh, and others of us had a lot of construction experience, which was going to come in handy. And I'd like to recognize uh, two other members of our team, Diane and Ron, over here in the fellow blue shirts, who've joined us this morning. If you have any additional questions after this, ask them. <laughs> so anyway, uh, with the help of the United Methodist Volunteer and Mission Coordinators, we set the 2nd through the 10th of November as our mission week. And shortly before we were to leave, we found that found out that we would be replacing the FEMA blue tarps with hurricane-proof roofing. Now, I don't know about you, but I know nothing about roofing except I like it. And this is a sacred moment. There's rare opportunities that Marilyn will, will willingly admit out loud there's a topic she doesn't know something about. <laughs> Whether I know anything or not. So anyway, we people, we ordinary people, kind of looked at each other and wondered, can we do this? Not to worry, God provides. So we were the first mission team to stay in the Iglesia Methodista de Los Angeles. Because of their proximity to the airport, they had been host to teams coming and going in Puerto Rico, but we were the first ones who stayed for the full week. They provided us with beds, mattresses, meals in a common area, and two vans. That first Sunday we were there, we attended worship service with them, and Pastor Kim from Ogden First served communion in Spanish. Now about our projects. Because our team was so large, Rejase provided us with divided us into two teams and set us to work on two different houses with two different sets of issues. Both were occupied by a family, both measured 20 by 30 feet, 600 square feet, and were made of concrete block. On Monday, civil engineers came to reassess the projects and to talk to the foreman and us about what needed to be done. The metal trusses, cross beams, corrugated metal steels were all delivered and work began. And that's about where the similarities ended. And let me now turn it over to Claudine, who can talk about her house. Hello. This is the house that, that my team worked on. It was located in the Toa Baja region, which is just east of San Juan. We had about a half hour drive every morning to get to the house. The house was occupied by Jose. You can see him there in the red shorts. His mother and a little dog named Canela, or cinnamon in English. Jose lived on the second floor. His mother and the dog lived on the first floor. Um, our foreman, Gerard, is, is to the right of Jose. The tarp on the house was in good condition. In fact, I think I heard from every one of my team members at some point um, say, wow, whoever put this tarp on did a really good job. 
the condition, the good condition of the tarp, along with the fact that the main support beam that we would be replacing, the old one was 34 inches tall, the one that we would be building was 18 inches tall, so that bit of extra room and the good condition of the tarp um, allowed us to keep the tarp on and work under the tarp, it, which protected us from the heat of the sun and also the rain, because at some point of the day, every day, it rained. The new roof was metal, which meant we used a chop saw and a sawzall to cut the metal pieces. We also used drills to attach the bolts. Um, I got to try out my Hulk smash abilities to smash um, some of the metal pieces flat. And we constructed, this is one of the, the beams that we constructed starting that first day. We completed it by the second day. And at the end of the second day, we were able to install it. There were two main support beams. This one was installed on the second day. The second one was completed and installed on the third day. Our foreman had been looking at the engineer's plans on, on his phone, but somehow we ended up 18 inches short. <laughs> Luckily for us that on our team we had uh, Rex, who was a civil engineer here in Salt Lake, and he designed this little end piece to make up for the miscalculation. Day three and day four were spent um, building the, the purlings and installing the purlings on the front half of the house. By day five, our last day, we were able to actually put up some of the, some of the sheet, metal sheets on the roof. We, we have most of, of the um, front half covered by the time we left. I don't have a picture of it, but we were told that the, the roof is complete. It was completed by the teams that followed us in the subsequent, subsequent weeks. Now I'll turn it back over to Marilyn so she can talk about her house. Do you remember how beautiful Claudine's house was? There's ours. <laughs> we had a, uh, in, and in this picture you can see some of the other blue tarps. They're still there, 20,000 of them. So if you hear the call, answer it and join our mission team to replace them. Our homeowner, Isabel, her grown son and her pregnant daughter and her husband lived on the first floor in that 600 square feet. This was about the, how our roof looked when we arrived. The tarp was in shatters and it, there was no way it could have provided any protection from the rain that always came and a dry place for uh, the family. So our first chore was to tear out all of these beams. Then we had to take out all the windows on that second floor because they were so wide that there was, and there were no headers above them. So they had never been able to support the weight of this new hurricane-proof roof. Say that fast, <laughs> hurricane-proof roof. We also discovered that the walls were not square or level and that would also have to be rectified. We felt Isabel's despair as she saw so much of her second floor being demolished. We and the foremans gently explained to her what was being done and why and reassured her that at the end of the process she would be happy. 
we were going to have a lot of concrete work to do. And so on that second day, sand arrived. We shoveled. In fact, that's Isabel on the left side, helping shovel all this sand onto her porch. No sooner had we finished shoveling all of that when this came, the rock, and 30 bags of concrete mix, all of which had to be moved up to that second floor. A part of the team designated themselves as the concrete cooks, and with their recipe, they mixed all that we needed. And here's how they did it. By hand. By the fifth day, we were ready to install all the forms along the walls that were going to be needed for the concrete. And yes, that's me using a drill. <laughs> we get to use and discover uh, talents we never thought we had. One of the wonderful things about this team is that to a person, they had just decided that they wanted to do as much as they could in this five days. One of those days had been set aside for us to tour the island, to be tourists. But everyone said we would, we would feel terrible if we hadn't done as much as we could to help those that we came to help rather than being tourists. So on this last day, we began installing these forms and the concrete to, to um, complete the walls. By that last day, we had completed all these columns for the windows. And by the end of that fifth day, Isabel was all smiles, and so were we. We were so pleased that we had been able to come and help and use the gifts that we had been given. And what was wonderful, Rehase had additional teams scheduled to come on and pick up where we left off. And so at the end of all oh, this may have been actually mid-December, the roof was finally there. And Isabel, and now probably her grandbaby, could have a dry place to live. But it wasn't all work. Even though we decided not to be tourists on that Friday, we did have a chance to be tourists on the Saturday and Sunday prior to working. This is a picture of us um, in front of the wall at um, the Castile San Cristobal Fort. This is one end of the, um, um, the peninsula by Old San Juan. That wall extends down to the other fort, El Moro, it's about a half hour walk between the two forts. El Moro was used by the Spaniards to defend Puerto Rico against the Dutch, the English, and even the Americans um, until 1898 when the US won the Spanish-American War and took over Puerto Rico as a territory. On Saturday, we also had time to visit the beach and enjoy the warm temperatures Puerto Rico also provided an adventure for our palates. We got to try a couple of plantain dishes uh, no, uh, called mofongo and mongu. We also tried dragon fruit, bought a couple of huge avocados from a street vendor, and drank coconut mil milk straight from a coconut. It was a wonderful trip, full of good people, including the Rahase workers, the volunteers at our host church, 
all of our team members, the homeowners, and the people of Puerto Rico. If you ever get the opportunity to serve on a mission trip and you have the time and the ability, I highly encourage you to do so. It was a fabulous experience. I'll, I'll remind you of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Thank you. key point that I think is relevant for us out of this material and what we heard is, is that the United Methodist Committee on Relief and Rehase did not sit down and say, this is what you need. This is what you need. Rather, they responded to the needs of the community that they were serving. I don't know about you, but I call that a gentleness of spirit, a gentleness of attitude about how you go about serving. You, you, hear, you heard that to some extent in the anthem we sang about listening for the cry of the children. You're going to hear a related idea uh, in a second from the um, uh, piece we're about to, they're about to sing, which is uh, Cry of My Heart. The Cry of My Heart you could, you could get from the Acts reading that we did not use today. There are four readings on any one Sunday, and one of the readings that we could have used is Acts. Acts 8, and the idea there is, is that the, the people that did not know God, the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews, wanted to know God better. They, wanted, they invited the community to come into them and listen to their hearts. We need to listen to the hearts of the children. We need to listen to the hearts of those that are outside of our own community. But we need to listen to them in such a way with a gentleness of spirit that we don't walk in and say, this is what you need. Rather, we walk in and listen to the needs of the community and then respond in God's grace with God's love. Please stand as you are able. And please Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah. 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.